0: Hello, hello. We are about to call our good friend, Simon McCormack. Oh yeah. Fingers crossed. Go swing and a miss. Thanks for joining us, Simon.
1: No problem.
0: Uh sorry sorry to interrupt your afternoon, man.
1: Oh my god, I'm rushing from one thing to the next, William. One thing to the next. Isn't that what just that's here? just
0: life in COVID twenty twenty. <laughs> uh, now I am I am enjoying just having video of myself here. I'm cool with that. But Oh, sorry, hang on you want if you want to flip yours on this can be as close to a human experience as we can have today
1: <laughs> it was it was absolutely great seeing you by the way and uh, and yelling no touch no
0: touch <laughs> yeah that was it was great to experience as well <laughs> thank <laughs> God we took that precaution had I handed you the box uh, Surely would have undone weeks of careful, careful uh, precautions you, you two have taken. No touch. <laughs> you motherfuckers. Anyway, you want to do the
1: intro this week? Sure, sure. Just as long as you'll do the outro. Uh, welcome back to another episode <laughs> of Maybe Next Time. <laughs> I am your host, William Boo, with my
0: co-host, Simon. McCormack.
1: Nets Nation. It's time to sit back, relax, and let their recovery take hold.
0: (laughs) Um, We are here as we are each and every unrelenting week to talk all things Nets Nation, deficit spending, and Boston market. Oh yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, Boston Market. For the longtime listeners of the show, this isn't the first time Boston Market has been mentioned. Uh, it's a, for many, it's it's a, a good if not important restaurant to, to in their <laughs> lives. Uh, for for Simon and and myself, it is a destination. Uh, and a destination. I don't. I personally can't claim to have gone to in well over a decade
1: but you have been there i didn't know you'd even been there i
0: went to the one by kiva juice um in albuquerque
1: oh great
0: in the Mm. san mateo plaza or whatever it was called right right okay um have you been to one in new york no (laughs) speaking of the nets have you been to a boston market in new york
1: (laughs) (laughs) no i think there's only one the one in soho Oh, I didn't realize it was in... So- what is it doing in Soho? It's very weird that it's not in an outer borough or that it doesn't... Ex- I mean, I could see not having one anywhere in New York. Yeah. And I could <sighs> I could see having them in Long Island, which maybe now that I think about it, maybe there is one in Long Island. But certainly in New York City, the only one is Chelsea.
0: Really? Because I'm looking at it online right now, and it's claiming to have several in Brooklyn. Oh, well, in I fact, was wrong. there's really? one um, pretty close to us, if I'm not totally mistaken.
1: Really? Oh uh, no! Not
0: not really, not really. It's in. Uh, oh no,
1: you're right. There is Queens, Brooklyn. Queens, Brooklyn. yeah, a
0: few in Brooklyn. Yeah, um, I but Soho is it. not the the area of of Manhattan that I would
1: have pegged for it. Yeah, Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Chelsea. Oh my God! Though you're right. There's so many. Oh, there's yeah. Uh, uh, there, oh, Ridgefield, New Jersey, not Ridgefield Park. Yeah. Um, I was about to become elated there for a moment that we could both see where my grandma and grandpa used to live, though don't live there anymore, <laughs> and go to Boston Market.
0: Uh, your family from Jersey. How many of them would you say are are ride or die Nets fans? My
1: cousin Rick. Is pretty aware of them. <laughs> okay. Like he, um, he, you know, from the Jersey days, of course. Um, but I don't get the sense that that there's much of a basketball following in my family. Like my uncle Don certainly knows a bit about the Nets, you know, but just he's not like a fan. Okay. He's just like a sports guy. Sorry, this is uh...
0: no, no, no. I, I asked. Oh, what season is it? Season four? Four. Season four of Riverdale. We are back, folks, to continue talking about Simon's family's interest in the Nets. (laughs) (laughs) While while sports might not be on for most people, you know that you can always fall back on discussions of distant relatives of podcast hosts (laughs) liking or not liking the Brooklyn Nets. Um No, but seriously, we are here to talk about the Nets. We are going to talk about the Nets. There's much to discuss, weirdly. I feel like this is a week where more has happened than usual. Yes. Um, more, More newsworthy things have happened this week in Nets Nation than most weeks. So we will get to all the news you can handle regarding Nets Nation in a moment. But we want to tease out again that we will be talking deficit spending a topic, um, in busy, busy news, uh, periods is fascinating and people make time for it. Um, <laughs> and now in a slow news time, people are really sinking their teeth into the idea of deficit spending. So I can't wait <laughs> to delve into that with you, Simon. Yes. Um, and how it of course relates to the nets. um, but let's get to the Nets news. What do you say? Okay. <laughs> 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 uh, okay. D'Angelo Russell, former star of the Brooklyn Nets, my probably my favorite net that I have seen in the certainly the last, you know, since we've been going to games regularly. My favorite. What about net. Archie Goodwin? Archie Goodwin. A- absolutely enjoyed the guy. Probably the, my my peaks with Archie were higher, but it was shorter <laughs> lived, and uh, and I, I feel like there's just so much of what I'm still drawn to Archie about is is what we left unsaid and undone, the things okay. we could have accomplished together as a fan player, you know, pairing, um, and that was that was obviously cut way too short but in terms of longevity and and overall highs I'm going to give D'Lo top billing okay fair enough you're cool with that so he was speaking uh, he, they did a feature article on him John Krasinski big writer for the athletic uh, followed he's a guy who was in Cleveland for a long time I think wrote a lot about LeBron that's sort of where he made his name uh, but is generally based in the Midwest, I believe, and wrote a feature on D'Angelo Russell. Still getting a lot of buzz. He um, is an all-star who has been on four teams in five seasons in the NBA. So mm-hmm. he's bouncing around a lot. He feels like he's 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 finally found a home in Minnesota. I hope he has. I hope him and Towns. Uh, Surprise people next year, because the expectations are not high. People have sort of written off D'Angelo Russell, um, including very much the Brooklyn Nets. Um, So anyway, D'Lo had a comment in there. I'm just going to go ahead and read it, Simon. Great. I hope hope our listeners have heard it, but if they haven't, um, what better time than now? Yeah. So D'Lo and Kenny Atkinson, looking back on it, D'Angelo isn't ready to give Atkinson all the credit. In his eyes, Atkinson only went to him as a last resort when Karis Levert and Spencer Dinwiddie were injured. Quote, I'm not going to give it to Kenny, he said. I still don't think he knew what he had, honestly. I don't think he knew what I was capable of in the fourth quarter. Okay, that's a hot one. A hot take, yeah. Uh, Nets Daily, of course, immediately gets defensive about it, uh, which I think is a totally asinine and preposterous reaction to what D'Angelo said, and the issue overall. Uh, and here's why, Simon. Okay. So well, I,
1: first, you should explain how they get defensive about it,
0: right? Sure. How do they get defensive? I don't. I don't. I don't want to enter the logic of a Nets Daily. Um, article right now but feel free
1: (laughs) well they basically he he just says you know kenny uh helped d'angelo achieve the max contract that he got helped him break out of his shell he played him more minutes than any net um that year he started him every game He, you know, um, you could add that he gave, you know, he had the most usage of any player on on the team that year. So they're they're just sort of saying that, you know, Kenny believed in him enough to allow him to do all those things. That's their take.
0: Well, I just, I I don't see it as a, all right. So here's, here's, here's what I would say about the, the issue, Simon. (laughs) And I complained constantly about um, uh, Kenny's, how he played D'Angelo. He went from one of the most exhilarating passers I've ever seen to someone who was uh, more in control, for sure, but didn't have those those sort of ludicrously high highs um, because Kenny obviously didn't want him to turn the ball over as much. But for me, it's a perfectly reasonable thing to now that he's no longer a part of the organization and the team, mentioned that he was mad about it. What was so impressive about D'Angelo was that when he was being benched in those fourth quarters um, as the titular star of the team, nothing came out at the time. He didn't say a single thing. He was perfectly loyal. He said, you know, he he said all of the right things to the media. Um, And to me, that is sort of the... (laughs) Exact thing that our current star would never be capable of doing. Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Um, Or even our low level guys like uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, if he were ever billed as like got, got traded to a team and was supposed to be the starter or something, he would never take being benched in the fourth quarter quietly. So I was always extremely impressed by D'Angelo and his ability to remain quote unquote professional about that entire situation. Mm -hmm. And now that, everyone has moved on from each other to let his true and honest opinions out. Seems like he should have the space to do that. He's not saying that Nets were a horrible organization and they ruined my career, but he can express <laughs> that, that he thinks that Kenny doing those things was frustrating and ultimately wrong because he was good enough to do it the entire time. Now you can argue with his logic and say, well, maybe by being benched in those quarters that taught him the you know grit that he needed to become the player that he did or something like that but i think that's just a you know candid comment where we get to see the honest opinions of someone which we haven't ever publicly had even though we sort of all knew that must be how he was feeling
1: uh, yeah, sure, sure. Doesn't, I, to I, me,
0: it didn't feel like an indictment on the organization at all, or something that needed to be defended in any way, really.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that he he feels that, that he was only gone to, he was only trusted when there were no other guards left, basically. Um, Do you think that's inaccurate? Well, I mean, again... He played more i mean to to the nets dailys you know point he played more minutes he had more usage he started every single game he you know uh yeah, he did all of those things, so to say that he was like the third banana i think is is uh not not accurate
0: uh, based on those metrics well he i mean he was not finishing games behind. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, even when Karis LeVert was out. Uh, Karis LeVert, I, I don't know what the early last season um, numbers are, but I bet you Karis was getting at least as many minutes as D'Lo and had probably had a very close to, if not the same, usage rate as him. Uh, because coming into last season, everyone was saying Karis was the guy to watch, blah, 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 blah.
1: But if you, right. But, but take it on the whole.
0: I mean, of course, Garris has fewer minutes because he's c- chronically injured and always recovering from an injury. So it's going to have lower usage and lower minutes. Um, and then Spencer got outplayed eventually by D'Angelo Russell to the point that he couldn't keep getting his
1: minutes. Um, but so that assigns no agency to Kenny, though. Well, what I'm saying is that if you're going to say that Kenny benched him in the fourth quarter with his agency, then you also have to assign agency to Kenny Atkinson, allowing him to have enormous usage, like have James Harden-level usage, uh, average more minutes than any, any player on the team, and and uh, start every single game that he, that he played. That's well, all I'm saying.
0: He didn't start every single game. Yeah, he did. No, and it's in his first season here when he came back from yeah, the injury. But, but it took a really year, long saying, time last
1: year. Yeah,
0: you mean his All Star season?
1: Mm-hmm. Right. That he again. It's weird. to I mean, again, the coach the coach being said that. Oh my God, last resort, I'll let you in. That you can't amass a All Star season when your coach actually feels that way. So I, I just think he's. Wrong. I understand that he wanted to, he didn't want to be benched. That's understandable. But, but saying that Kenny was like, ah, shit, D'Angelo Russell. Okay, fine. I think is not true.
0: I mean, clearly there was some reluctance if he wasn't closing games out.
1: Yeah. He was scared that he was going to make stupid mistakes, which he made constantly. But, but I mean, so So that, so, so
0: he's upset that he didn't have the trust of Kenny Atkinson to finish out games, which he
1: didn't. But he's not... Yes, but that is the that is not what I disagree with, nor do I think that anyone should have had trust in D'Angelo in those days. But I...
0: The guy, but, who, the guy who led the Nets, surprisingly, to the playoffs last season?
1: Yeah, but when he was getting benched in the fourth quarter, he was terrible. It was terrifying to see the ball in his hands. That wasn't like Kenny Atkinson imagining things. Um, but But... Just putting that part aside, I understand why he's upset about it. The issue is him saying that Kenny Atkinson had this pecking order and Karis Levert was at the top or Spencer Dinwiddie's at the top, then one or the other, and then D'Angelo. And Kenny is like, oh, God, the only thing I can do are my hands are totally tied. I have to give it to D'Angelo. Um is uh, incorrect, I think, and, and and is not backed up by the actual stats of D'Angelo Russell. Well,
0: I also think that there was a huge amount of pressure that D- that D'Lo was surely aware of on Kenny to play D'Angelo Russell.
1: So you don't think Kenny Atkinson had any agency except when it comes to benching D'Angelo? Um,
0: no, I mean, he had some agency, sure.
1: But you're not assigning him any agency except when it comes to him benching him. You're saying that he everything that he did that would indicate that he trusted D'Angelo was not actually trust. It, but it was, it was because was Spencer,
0: it's because Karis LeVert was chronically injured. So that clears up a guard spot, makes it a lot easier. To, I mean, it forces Kenny's hand a little bit. And Spencer also had injuries as well. He's right about that.
1: For yeah, for maybe eighteen games right, or something. Which like is that.
0: when D'Lo really became cemented as the starter and the leader of the team.
1: I think that was that was probably post All Star Break, wasn't it? No,
0: that was that's why D'Angelo became an all-star. Because no, Spencer went well, out.
1: I don't think that's true at all. Let's let's look when Spencer went down. Spencer thumb injury. Uh ugh, Spencer Dewey. Because I remember that being at the end. Snetzer's out four to six weeks with hand injury. That was from January 24th. So your all-star game happens in, uh, what, early February? So most of that season... Was uh, most of the reason he got it was pre Spencer Dinwiddie hand injury, almost all of it. In fact, if you're talking about vote tabulations, probably that's even sooner. So that's all I'm saying. He's he, he, I think that's just a mischaracterization that he was totally untrusted. I understand he was not in at the fourth quarter like he wanted to be, and that's understandable.
0: And that is the biggest sign of trust in a coach, <laughs> is it not? Um, I mean, Not, the, yeah. I mean, it's far more important who closes games out than who starts a game.
1: Or who has the most usage, or who has the most minutes, or who has the most points, or who takes the most shots.
0: Joe Harris had as many minutes as D'Angelo Russell last season. D'Angelo had more. They had the same number of minutes. They both averaged 30 minutes last season. Okay. Okay, so, what? Well,
1: <laughs> but so he was the top minute getter, along with Joe Harris. Along
0: with Joe Harris, right? Because he didn't. I mean, he obviously didn't. Le- it's not like he was playing Harden level minutes or some superstar level minutes.
1: But he was playing more than thirteen. He other was playing players, as um, much as Joe Harris, more than Spencer, more than Spencer, more than Harris.
0: Right, Spencer, who also had to come back from an
1: injury. But do you think that without... So, okay. But, again, yes. I, I just... Yeah. I, I don't think we're going to agree here. I, I just think that it's absurd to say that Kenny didn't, didn't have faith in or trust at all in, in D'Angelo Russell when you look at the stats and you look at what he was able to do, including put together an all-star season, which was almost entirely done while Spencer Dinwiddie was healthy. Hmm. Okay. I mean that's just ridiculous.
0: It's not ridiculous. He is. Yes, he has, it is. He has a great reason to be frustrated. It was clear that when you finish a game with Spencer Dinwiddie over D'Angelo Russell, you trust one over the other
1: in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's that what finishing time, a game mean, means. Yes, but but okay, but that just means that you don't trust someone to not do the things that they constantly do, which is throw the ball away. That doesn't mean that you don't value them as a player completely. It just means that you don't want somebody who's going to to cough cough it up.
0: Okay, but that is, a, that is taking a very negative characterization of how D'Angelo Russell finishes games. He also finished many, many games terrifically.
1: Yeah, eventually. Absolutely. But when he's talking about it were times, it's it's not like Kenny just wouldn't play him when... when, when... If you
0: can't see how he could re- legitimately get angry that it felt that Kenny trusted Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert more than him then that's just insane to me We're, you're you're conceding that he wasn't closing
1: games yeah but that isn't the end all be all to me you have to look at the that other stuff that is the stats, ultimate you've that is the, the
0: that is the ultimate sign of trust who closes games
1: i, I think that, that 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 shows one aspect which is he does not want him to turn the ball over he is a high turnover guy he's a low spencer and Karras are lower turnover players So he would play them more, especially because yeah, when when uh, valuing the ball matters. But that that doesn't. But I wouldn't assign that. I wouldn't say that that is this overarching view of him as this like lowly, despicable player that Kenny is loath to play. Which is what you seem to be saying. That's not what I seem to be saying.
0: I I, what I'm saying is that I think D'Lo has a right to feel like he was trusted less than those other two guys when he clearly was trusted less than those other two guys by as indicated by not closing out games when the other two were playing. Mm. Okay. Doesn't that seem reasonable? Like, can't you see how a human being could feel untrusted when they aren't asked to finish games and other players on their team
1: are? I can see how someone would feel frustrated that they weren't playing in the fourth quarter. Yes. And don't you think that could be a sign of a lack of trust in the fourth quarter? Yes. But an obvious, again, yes, I understand being upset that that's happening, but the the guy was coughing up the ball a lot. I, I just don't understand. I mean, I, I can, I can see why you would want to play and would want to be trusted even though you're, you're coughing the ball up, but, that's just one aspect of the game.
0: Spencer, by the way, just FYI, last season had a much worse assist-to-turnover ratio than D'Angelo.
1: Yeah, because he never assisted, yeah, but, but a lower turnover rate.
0: He averaged over two turnovers a game.
1: Right, and D'Lo was what, three? Three, yeah. So, yeah, 50% higher. Right, but he also averaged. But he, but Kenny is not. Kenny was not worried 50% that more D'Angelo assists. was was going to be a a a not as prolific a passer. Right, he, he just didn't trust him. Okay, we we over. have
0: to move on. We have to move on. Um. All right, there's a meme going around. What is that? Um, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully NetDaily likes this meme so that you can agree with it. <laughs> um, it is a Nets logo, and it says, who's the first player who comes to mind when you see this logo? Mm. So that's my question to you.
1: When I see a Nets logo, who do I think of? Mm-hmm. Is that your question? That's my question.
0: Uh That is this meme. That is what the meme is asking, yes. And I God. am now asking you. You're
1: asking me. I don't know. I don't really have a player that I identify as I guess Brooke Lopez. That's who I said. Oh good. Hey. Right. Uh,
0: some agreement. Some finally some agreement, yes. Um Okay. Spencer, to get back to the um Spencer Dinwiddie, <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who wasn't trusted more than D'Angelo, even though he got to finish games and D'Lo didn't. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, he has been stirring up some shit on Twitter, on uh, a, on a number of different fronts. Okay. Uh, what
1: do you have? Go, go for it.
0: Okay. (laughs) First one. If a vaccine won't be readily available for 12 to 18 months, why wouldn't we cancel the season? Especially since any championship won this year, will have a major asterisk and we don't play for just the regular season, but maybe that's just the last dance talking. Simon, how do you feel about the less-trusted Spencer Dinwiddie um,
1: saying that? Um, I think that he... I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I just feel like, you know, as a, as a fan, it's easy to be like, well, they should just play because it would be fun to watch them. There's nothing to watch. You can only watch the last dance so many times but god uh, please no more you, times <laughs> but you know i i have no idea what it would be like if you were being asked if you again pe- people talk about like oh my god they're millionaire you know they, they have so much money don't they realize that the players should be jumping to to play these games like these players are millionaires these players have more money than you or i will will maybe ever have um So the idea that they are going to be jumping to like they're already their body, you know, sports is already such a like incredibly, uh, you know, using a person's body to squeeze out value sort of thing that when you add in like, okay, now almost definitely some of you guys are going to get sick, get into the box here. And, you know, play your game. You can maybe bring in one or two of your of your loved ones and just play those games. And it's and it's like really this this virus has forced sports to have to say, like, this is 1000 percent about money. We need to get to that 70 game mark and we need to get like these number of playoff games in and you need to play in them. Um, or you're going to miss out on, on your money. So get into that box and enjoy. I can understand being a little wary of that. Now, I don't really understand what Spencer is saying exactly with, like, oh, we don't really play for the regular season. I mean, the regular season under the games that – or under plans that I have seen, right? Chris Paul has said they're going to need, I don't know, 10 games or something, right, as a warm-up before the playoffs. I don't really know what he's talking about there. But my, my sense is like I, I wouldn't really judge a player my feeling is like I'm not sure I want to judge a player who's like, I don't really want to play during this season.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I and I think, you know, the whole it depends quite a bit on what team you're on and I mean I totally get why someone on the Knicks doesn't want to go play. Yeah. Or wouldn't want a chance, you know, to to compete in the tournament and it does sound like definitely a majority of the players do want to go back um and play out so finish the season in some way even if it's just the playoffs Mm -hmm. um and yeah i'm not going to say like you know (laughs) you should risk your life to go do this thing though i think you have you know, they're certainly a safer demographic, though we don't know know enough. But there are, are are all sorts of contingencies of coaches and other people that would be involved that could certainly right. get sick. Like and, poor Dantoni. Like poor
1: Dantoni. He's very old.
0: Right. I just think that I just think it's just one of those things that unless you really, really, really enjoy being at the center of some manufactured controversy, you probably would just stay silent on, on Twitter. Um, but of course I feel like Spencer is just the type to want to get out in front of, of that and make a big splashy comment like that. Um, Jared Dudley is another guy who's, who's speaking very publicly.
1: What's he saying? um,
0: at first, it was a reluctance to do it, and now it's taking more of the approach that you were talking about that, that sort of reduces it to long-term financial viability of the MBA being seriously cast into doubt if they don't take it up, so they need to find a way to make it happen.
1: Right. And I know, I know LeBron has also said like he wants to do it.
0: Yeah, and and most of the I think most of the big big names have come out and very much want to do it. Got it. Um, but you know, <laughs> are like there? I th- and also the NBA is now coming around. They were, at first it was like, oh, we can't do it if there's a chance one person gets sick, and now they've moved on to like a slightly more risk. Uh, risk tolerant position where they're mm-hmm. like, if someone gets sick, they have to sit out for whatever, you know, until they pass a certain protocol of testing negative or something like that. Right. right. I mean, it's a horrible situation. It, it, it does seem absurd to, to, to hand wring and agonize over whether sports are going to come back when there is a worldwide economic collapse coupled with, uh, you know, a virus that nobody has any real idea <laughs> About how it's going to continue to manifest over time. So, right. It's certainly not my number one priority. I would love to be able to watch sports, but um, yeah, uh, I, I hope it. I hope it does come back. But if it doesn't, it's pretty understandable for it not to.
1: Right. And I feel like people should be also quite worried about what next year is going to look like. Right. Yeah, no,
0: I I think that's the the major thing. They're like at this point, they're they're almost like it seems more plausible to finish this season in some sort of like hyper constricted but like brief bout of activity. You know, like Mm -hmm. like, like we could pull this off if we could if we have like a month and a half. But if we have to do a full like eight month season where people are traveling all over the country, that's presents so many problems that it, it that is a bigger. Barrier than just finishing this this playoffs might be, um, which is what leagues like MLB and and you know is is sort of struggling with at the moment too. Um, right. Like how do you do a full season when this is really just like a a brief window? And you know the Nets could be in it, so it is kind of surprising for a, a playoff team to not want it. But again, yeah, fine. Like if you're if you don't want to do it, I I I don't want to go back to work right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe if I were getting 13 million, I guess I would, you know, if that were contingent on going in, I would do it. But, um, yeah, you know, I I don't know. Uh, Anyway, so let's talk about another financial thing with Spencer Dinwiddie. NBA player Spencer Dinwiddie starts GoFundMe to let fans determine his next team. So if they buy, like, 2,800 bitcoins, which is Mm -hmm. the equivalent of $24 million, he says that he will then um, let fans decide where he plays next. Yeah. Uh, So I guess a few questions. I don't think we need to get into the technicalities of how the fans would just quote-unquote decide this. Which I didn't see. I haven't seen anything that clearly explains that. Have you?
1: I. I mean, other than saying that if fans donate up to the twenty-four. Whoa! If fans donate up to the twenty-four million, that he's asking. Yeah. Then he'll.
0: Right. Right. No. Of course. Yes. Then he'll let them decide. But like, what does that decision make? Like, is everyone getting a ballot? It's and... a
1: poll. Yeah. I think. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's like an online poll.
1: Yeah. Now, how you would determine who gets to vote since. Right. Like like it's really only go to the people who have ponied up that much money.
0: Exactly. And, and who like, gets
1: that money? Is that Spencer's money? I
0: would imagine because then he would sign with a team for like less, maybe like a minimum because he would have the 24 <laughs> million locked in. Got it. That's the only way it would really make sense to me. Who knows if the NBA would even allow something like that to happen. It is, as usual, a a kind of interesting and simultaneously annoying thing that he's doing. (laughs) Um, And I I have to admit, this has launched Spencer Dinwiddie um, up a bit in my estimation, just because he's so relentlessly (laughs) spencer Um, Mm -hmm. which has driven me crazy for so long. But now that nothing's happening and I basically dislike everyone on the nets, um, I have a little bit more patience for it. And so I'm going to slot him as my second favorite net behind Wilson Chandler for this. Oh, no, William, come (laughs) on. Uh, But I wanted to ask you, what team would you vote for Spencer Dinwiddie to go to? In his little image that I would imagine he created for the GoFundMe.
1: Right. Did you see that? Laker and Clipper, Laker right? Laker
0: and Clippers, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, if that's where he wants to go, I, I I truly don't care. I I think that he is the third the, – the net who I third most want to not be on this team. So – First, Torian Prince, right? Is Torian Prince second? Is DeAndre Jordan third? Is Spencer Dinwiddie? I would say for um, me,
0: uh, it would be DeAndre first, mm-hmm. because I think I I know it's groundless, and you have presented many many good arguments to just be done with Torian Prince. But I don't know. I, I imagine if he gets back to that three position, some maybe as like a off the bench
1: three, he
0: could be bearable. But
1: he has more of a chance of being yes. He has a he has a higher ceiling for sure than um, than DeAndre. DeAndre, you know he's going to be bad. It's just a question of how bad. Right. Tor- Torian could be worse, but he could be better. Um, I. Yes. Did you see, by the way, William, that, um, oh, by the way, who who do you think he should go to? And then I have one other piece of Spencer Dinwiddie that's,
0: um, I just think it would be really funny if people voted for him to like go to the Shang-Zhen Tigers or something like that. Um, like fully out of the NBA to some other far off land. Uh, (laughs) With his massive paycheck, I don't know. I I kind of would like to see him go to a team like um, if he were to stay in the NBA, a team like Charlotte or just sort of a, a crappy team where he could be like the alpha dog and mm-hmm. just see what that looks like. I imagine that they would be terrible, but um, I would like to see. I would like to see him be the the clear cut starter and see what a team that is that, you know, is what he has always wanted and thinks he deserves what that team would look like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So did you see that? So in, in this Nets Daily article, there is this other quote from Ian Eagle, who speaking of stirring up shit has been saying more than, his usual amount of substantive interesting things uh he was talking to you'd be forgiven if you didn't see this because other than the nets daily write-up of this it is from from the booth um which i don't know what that is (laughs) um but it says he says does spencer dinwiddie fit into the culture they're building Will he be someone who will be a productive member as the dynamic shifts with KD and Kyrie getting even more attention? These are the questions they have to ask themselves. Um, so, Holy crap. Yeah, I know. And again, as, as I sort of alluded to there um, in the beginning here, like – Iron Eagle basically is paid to just say, like, pap about the Nets. Just say whatever generic positive thing about the Nets. You you know, look at a press release from the Nets. That's basically what he will say. So when he does say something, say like he was saying about Kevin Durant or what he's saying here with Spencer or what he said with um, uh, Kenneth Fareed, remember that, when he was like, yeah, everybody really is buying in, except Kenneth Farid. And right. then, like, a day later, he was, he was bought out. Right, right, right. So, like, he only says things, I feel like, anecdotally, it seems, only says things that are at all substantive when they have been cleared from the top and they are, like, something that the team wants out there, um, which is interesting given what he's saying here.
0: Yeah, totally. And, and... Um the timing of Spencer's new plan to buy his way onto a new team. Yeah. Um, we haven't even really talked about like the implication. You know, we, we killed Kyrie for her saying, you know, the stuff about needing different teammates or whatever. um, Why aren't we doing the same for Spencer Dinwiddie, who is basically saying, I have no team loyalty. I'll go literally anywhere other people (laughs) decide, Um, which, you know, I mean, ultimately is is sort of what um, players are doing now anyway. But that's just very much screaming the quiet part. (laughs) Yes, agreed. Um, But, yeah, I, 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 you know, a a fascinating, fascinating figure in this era of the Nets. Um, And I hope I hope there's I I, I do definitely foresee um, him getting traded in this offseason.
1: Yeah, I I really I hope so. Yeah. And he has
0: he has a he has a fair amount of value, I think.
1: Yes, I agree. Um, I mean, the the issue is he's probably only going to stay for one, one more year. But one year for a team like the Lakers or something is a big deal.
0: Right, and um, I honestly, it could be more than that because his GoFundMe has raised under a thousand dollars at this <laughs> point. <laughs> Which is just per prepos- Like, we could put up a maybe next time GoFundMe and get over $1,000 in 24 hours. But that's probably not true. But.
1: Yeah, it also, I would hope that it violates some sort of terms of use. <laughs> of, yeah, I of mean, of at GoFundMe. least uh,
0: he has said it's going to a charity afterwards, but that is just so nebulous and it's so easy to be like, yeah, it's called the SD for kids. It's for Spencer Dinwiddie's kids. Right, right. Yeah. Um, all right. Should we hit up the mailbag, or do you have any other Nets news you want to yeah, talk about? Yeah, mailbag would be great. All right. So this one's coming in from Tom Dre Blatches, hitting us hard with this mailbag saying, So next pod, what is the 10-part docuseries of the 2023 Nets going to focus on? And as an example, he says, The Last Chance. So yeah, we have, uh, oh, but you, you still haven't seen any of it, right? Correct. I heard a, I heard a good description of the documentary series, um, uh, that was actually being critical of the documentary, which is all, you know, almost sacrilege at this point to say anything other than it's great and he's the greatest ever. Um, but the the way that the guy put it on um, House of Strauss, Ethan Sherwood Strauss's podcast, was that this is um, the man behind the myth tale as told by the myth, <laughs> and, and it's just like that. That is it's exactly what it is. Like we're not getting any closer to some sort of you know, truth. There was all that stuff before that Michael Jordan was like, Oh, people are going to hate me after this. Um, but there's nothing. I mean, he executive produced it. There's nothing in it that is, that is that people are going to be walking away being like, this is an irredeemable human being. It all sort of goes towards like this all had to happen in order for the greatest player ever to be the greatest ever. Um, so anyway, that is all we'll say about the Last Dance for now. Simon, what ten-part docu-series on the twenty twenty-three to twenty twenty-three Nets? Uh, what's it going to focus on?
1: I think it's going to be called "The Move to the West Coast." God, <laughs> <laughs> Joe Tsai, after giving it his an honest try here in in Brooklyn, New York after taking loss, after crushing loss in in revenue, um, has decided to move the team to San Diego, sunny San Diego, where he already owns his lacrosse team and lives um, at uh, at least part-time. And uh, he is, uh, especially as... um, US-China relations start to, uh, shall we say, deteriorate further in 2023, uh-huh. he he will want to be out of that uh, bright New York's spotlight and into um, a city that, you know, will just be thankful to have any kind of team and, uh, you know... Um, you can, uh, and, and it'll, it'll just focus on, you know, the ways that they're going to, I think he will be in his Procrofts stage by then where he'll be like, oof, you know, building an instant winner really had, you know, drawbacks. Like I completely handed this team over to Kyrie and KD. I traded five unprotected draft picks for, um, you know Chris Paul or something, and that was a mistake. And you know we're gonna build it slowly. We're gonna build this thing slowly. The right way, San Diego good. style. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, like a taco truck. Uh, <laughs> all right. I hope that's not the case. We have a a long term bet. When did I say I was? I, I it's had in my like, calendar. It's it's sooner than that. Yeah. It's in like the next year or two. <laughs> You were heated up about that that night, um but it's in my calendar it'll it'll send me a little ping when that day comes. Mm. uh You'll get a venmo request shortly after. Um, I had a few title suggestions. I'll start with an optimistic one because I feel like we've been kind of negative yep um talent wins how pairing the NBA's two most unhappy superstars somehow translated into winning rings. (laughs) So that sort of obviously means KD and Kyrie work out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the end of my my optimistic ones. Uh, (laughs) Another one, the final break how injuries ruined the careers of two superstars and brought down a franchise.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Really good.
0: Um, okay. This is my conspiracy theory. One hashtag ghosted the most famous disappearing act in sports history. That's when Kevin Durant just never shows up and plays a game for us.
1: Oh yeah. Uh,
0: and then the final one, this is DJ Deandre Jordan centric. Um, Beyond basketball, how an NBA team stopped caring about basketball and became a full time marketing arm of Beyond Meat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Kyrie also. Right, right, right.
0: They're both big fans of the Beyond. Yeah. Anyway, that's a great question, Tom Dre. Yeah, uh, thank you. That was very fun. I, I can't I mean I obviously I hope it's the talent wins. Uh, I hope we get we have minimum two two championships the next two seasons. Uh-huh. Uh but I could see I could foresee any of those happening. Except San Diego. I genuinely don't think they're moving to San Diego ever. Uh and and hope they don't. Um Do you right. think
1: they'll they'll go anywhere?
0: I don't. I don't. But you know, I'm deliberately not <laughs> allowing myself to imagine why anyone would ever
1: want to leave Brooklyn? <laughs> right. Why would it? Why would they take Wilson Chandler away from me? <laughs> I can't even. I can't even think that. <laughs> I can't even allow myself to think that. What would happen if they let Wilson go?
0: Um. All right. Let's talk deficit <laughs> spending, Simon.
1: Okay. Great.
0: All right. We're gonna talk deficit spending because all of a sudden Republicans want to talk about deficit spending.
1: That's right, William. Um,
0: so. As, as uh, maybe next time listeners are well aware, Republicans uh, in general, historically, have the capacity, uh, a, a far greater capacity than the Democrats to run up massive deficits through uh, gutting any form of revenue through taxation and piling on debt by quadrupling spending on the military. <laughs> um, so they're incredibly good at uh, essentially driving the debt up. But then, of course, as soon as, say, a social program that might actually help any human beings and not just murder them in countries other than the <laughs> United States um, are proposed, such as healthcare or fixing an increasingly beleaguered education system on and on and on for those things of course we have no money um, and it's all by design you know the rich people who run the democratic uh, the republican party don't want to pay taxes um, and don't want to pay for programs that would help them and they are enriched greatly by a military program that you know they all profit from in some way or another uh, so anyway, Simon, what's happening now with deficit spending? That's, that's sort of just like a generalized truth about American politics. What in specific are we talking about here?
1: Um, what we're talking about here and, and great, great uh, um, long-term view uh <laughs> Um, specifically, I am referring to uh, Mitch McConnell, etc. And I, I hope people, just really quickly, will will go back to previous episodes and hear us bashing Democrats, because I don't want people to think that we, that we are uh, we you know we're the Pod Save America Bros here. Uh, we also hate them, but yes, re- Republicans are now saying, "Well, you know, we we passed." I don't know, three or so bills, um, for stimulus reasons. reasons, we've got a big deficit now. It's time to just sit back, relax, <laughs> let the economy come back via, you know, uh, letting people the go to chisit bars and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Just get, get out there, spend, 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 and, um, stop deficit spending on these stupid stimulus bills um, and what's the rush? We're only at twenty five percent unemployment. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's that's the shtick now. So that's I, why also, I, I also
0: I uh, also heard a good segment today, Simon. Sorry to cut you off. Oh no, uh, a good segment today on NPR. Who you know they just want to show both sides. Um, right. That was like oh it was a, it was a restaurant in Oregon complaining about how. Uh... All the deadbeat former restaurant workers are living fat off these stimulus oh, yeah. things, uh, stimulus like the 600 bucks a week or whatever they're getting, right. and therefore don't want to return to their one shitty, poorly paid job to to possibly die by <laughs> catching the <laughs> virus, and they insanely don't want to do that. Um, yeah. Not to mention they're actually making a living wage for the first time probably in their lives um, with the current stimulus. So yes, uh, now where you know we we have to stop stop the stimulus because poor people are finally discovering what it's like to have any money, so might not subject themselves to shitty shitty jobs. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Side note. No, right. We exactly. just want to present both sides of. The
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just think about. The the horrors of someone getting six hundred dollars a week. <laughs> right, right. These fat cats. We we don't need to spell it out for you. You can imagine what that'd be. <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah ring a bell. Um yeah. So anyway, so I thought we would talk about some uh, some nets related deficit spending.
0: Okay. For me Simon um but I want I want to hear you get into specifics here but a lot of mine is sort of contingent on how how we're doing you know like how Kyrie and KD are doing cuz I I have no problem because I'm a a frivolous pinko mm-hmm. um I have no problem getting a deficit going Sure um, and would happily happily do it um, for a third star for whatever reason. Um, but it really it's so much is contingent on whether these guys are any
1: good together. <laughs> yeah. No, that that's that's true. So would you so let me ask you, would you what's your feeling these days on trading for a third star and, and what and if you're okay with it and win? Um, well, yes,
0: yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm all in on going for a third. Fine. Wow! I mean, for me, the future is is blighted, right? <laughs> <laughs> there is no future. Th- it is now. We are in win now mode. It doesn't matter who we have that's young. No one that we have that's young is going to be good enough to build a team around. Yes. I'm sorry, Nick Claxton. I want you to be a superstar, but I, I, I don't think he's going to be the centerpiece of a future championship team. So, sure. and neither Musa or Pinson or any of the other <laughs> young guys, Kurutz, Jared Allen, none of them are going to be centerpieces on that sort of team. So our future is is gone. Uh, we have to win now. So I am happy it whatever machinations, whatever amount of money, whatever amount of luxury tax is necessary to go after it as soon as the off season begins.
1: Wow, okay. Okay. What Great. about you? So my fear with deficit spending here as it's being framed, as I'll frame it here, is, for example, draft picks. I fear, just exactly as you said, and I and I know we've had some disagreement on this podcast, but Ooh. we are 100% aligned in the view that no one we have on this team is like even a third option on a championship team. Yeah. Fourth option, maybe, sure. uh, you know, maybe not, but, and you but, could,
0: you could, you, I, and I think you've had moments where you could have talked yourself into Karis being that. Karis. Yeah.
1: Yes. But I don't think he's a third star. And I think it, you know, me and a small coterie of people are the only people who could talk themselves into thinking he's like the fourth best player on a, on right. a, Championship level team, so we agree on that. So I think that other teams, unfortunately, will also think that. I don't know if you've heard. I, I don't know if you've heard that the Blue Guys. They did a. He did. Um, Mike from the Blue Guys did a, a crossover pod, sort of, with um the the guy who does the Athletics, um Oklahoma City podcast. Okay. And, like, you and I have had agonizing discussions, as have, you know, all Nets fans, about, like, ooh, is it better to trade Spencer? Is it better to trade (laughs) Karis? Like, oh, losing Jarrett, that would be really tough, you know? And, like, do you think we could get any value for for Torian Prince? Maybe, maybe not. This guy is like, I don't care who you give me. I want your pick. (laughs) Like... That's the only, like, they're just like, he, cause, cause Mike's like, oh, okay, but I'm going to give you a Torian print. <laughs> like, fine. Uh, give me like, I forget what he said, but it was at least one first round pick. Um, and I just fear that any team that we talk to will be like, yes, sure. Let's match up those salaries with whatever crap you want to send me. Uh, you pick honestly, and you give me, like, as <laughs> many picks as I can wring out of you. And that's where I get very nervous because, like, one protected pick, fine. Two protected picks, fine. But, like, I just fear if we're going after the Drew Holidays, the, the players that you and I have both said we'd be interested in acquiring, it's going to take, like, lightly protected Picks, and I would say, like, if we give up three of those, I'm very nervous. Four of those, I'm honestly terrified.
0: Okay, so you're 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 the deficit you're thinking of right now is future picks. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm all in. It's now. It's <laughs> it's now or never. I don't. I mean, I don't like. I don't like the guys we've got. So bringing in. <laughs> so bringing in more. You know, could, could could only, you know, there's right. more of a chance that I'll like one of them. Um, and I don't bottom. know. I mean, I, I, I think there are moments uh, when I, I think about Kevin Durant and I, and I get pretty excited, I have yeah, to admit. Too. Um, and he could be, he could come back and be transcendent. And then we'd have one hell of a team. I don't know if we have a championship team, but we have a really good team. I hope that this injury stuff with Kyrie is a fluke. Not to mention yeah. the locker room stuff, but let's just say health-wise, <laughs> let's, uh, you know, let's not even yeah. go there. Let's just say I hope that he can act, his body can survive an NBA season slash playoff run. Yeah. Um, if those two things happen and we have another guy who's really good – <laughs> the the sky is the limit um and because we've we are so in the moment right now i don't i don't i don't know i don't i just don't see that much point in saving up these picks mm. for much longer we've got this window we got a seize on it but i don't know yeah i don't know who's who's looking for for picks that has a star that would even presumably be up for us maybe like the jazz or something like that
1: yeah i mean the jazz that's an interesting because the jazz might depending on how much they want to sort of um they feel like they have to curry favor with like um donovan mitchell or something maybe donovan mitchell's like look i don't want to rebuild with picks if you're trading not only do i not want to play with rudy gobert but you better go out and get like somebody who can win now um, which in our case could be good if they think that player is like a Karis Levert. Mm-hmm. What I fear is that, yes, if you're like, okay, we'll get you, go get a win. Now guy, they'll be like, okay. Um, you know, CJ McCollum and, uh, who's the guy who broke his limit? Nurk, Nurk, uh, Nurkic. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, here you go. And here's Gobert or something like we don't have anybody like, I mean, God, take Kyrie if you, if we could, but we can't. So, um, uh, yeah, so I worry about that. But some, but somebody like the Pelicans, right, would be, I think, interested in our picks.
0: Yeah, or, or the Thunder. Uh, right, or the Although Thunder. Although I don't know who we're getting. I I don't, mean, I don't
1: really want Chris Paul. Yeah, well, right, exactly. I don't, I don't want Chris Paul either. And that is just three, three, so injury-plagued players. It's like a joke. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So, yeah, and three
0: massive uh, locker room <laughs> head right. cases. Right. Definitely. I mean, Chris Ball isn't is people have not gotten along with him. He's not on the level of a Kyrie or a KD no. but those two <laughs> the- those those two have a special ring of a locker room hell that they occupy
1: <laughs> yes though those somewhere n- near that ring is a guy who was for, was traded because the other star didn't like him <laughs> right <laughs> so not in a great ring but yes i agree it doesn't have constant stories about him being a cancer
0: no and has done like has proven that he can be a really good leader like this year in oklahoma city he's led that team to a really surprisingly great season um and still has you know still pretty damn good but yeah his injury stuff uh, that is not a guy that is not the third star i would want to leverage the future for
1: no no no
0: um all right any other deficit Spending propositions you want to hit?
1: How many? I just if you'll give me, give me your guess as to how many years you think Joe Tsai will be willing to pay the luxury tax. I know it's very totally unclear what um, a luxury tax will mean, what the league's finances will be. You I, know,
0: I would guess we've got two years. So two years. I think that you can, let's say. Next season one happens mm-hmm. and two we do reasonably well. Let's say get even if it's just the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Yes. I think as a general manager, Sean Marks could convince say like Joe, this was disappointing. This isn't what anyone wanted. We're close. Let's go out. And get, let's get the, like, we just we're missing the one, you know, you can always talk yourself into like the one piece down. So if there's not a total disaster next season Mm -hmm. um, where like we somehow miss the playoffs or KD gets re-injured or KD just isn't any good anymore. And then Kyrie gets injured, something really, really bad. yeah So say we get and do something in the playoffs and are okay, competitive. Uh, Then I think the second year is guaranteed. Now I think at that point, it's going to be the ring or Joe Psy is going to grow tired of this and uh-huh. and and probably like a little embarrassed about the whole situation. Like, why is it mm-hmm. that working? That's when heads roll. That's when like a Sean Marks might go and things like that. Um, but... You know, if they want a championship, then it's a whole nother question. But I think that's that's what we've got. We've got those guys for two years, and I think that's what Josiah is going to be committed to doing luxury on.
1: Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. That yeah. sounds right.
0: Okay. Well, should we finish this thing off with a lighthearted trip to a market <laughs> named after yes. one of our least favorite cities?
1: Yes. Absolutely.
0: You don't like Boston as a city, right? No. Yeah, Okay. All right. So, Simon, I don't think that they have a cocktail menu.
1: No, they don't serve alcohol as far as I know.
0: So would we have to then bring in like a Barclay Stadium style beverage of our own?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think we'd have to sneak in some nippers. What would you like
0: to have with your uh, with your meal at Boston Market tonight to sneak in?
1: I think I will have a flavored vodka and Sprite. Ooh, lovely. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: okay, so we are going to. What about s- you? Um, I'm going to bring in a hard hitter. I'm going to do um, a fireball. Ooh. And mm-hmm. Dr. Peppa. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I've never tried that as a drink before, but mm-hmm. it's two—you um, know, uh, two two negatives make a positive. Yep, that's that's <laughs> what I'm hoping happens with the uh, Dr Pepper <laughs> Fireball situation. Definitely. All right, Simon, I have a a question for you. Hit me. For your for your main, are you going rotisserie chicken, ribs, and meatloaf, or roasted turkey? On which which of those three menus?
1: I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> I I am, and I mean, believe me, folks. I would probably need to go about six times to Boston Market before I tried everything I really wanted to try. But for a one time bang, um, for me, William, it's got to be roasted turkey. Roasted turkey.
0: That yes. is not at all what I would have guessed. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, so you're getting the roasted turkey. For my main, Simon, I, too, am having a really hard time just coming up with one of these mains. And so, like you said, we will go back. I can take some solace in that. <laughs> um <laughs> We'll risk our life by taking the MTA to Soho to get <laughs> get our beloved Boston market. Oh, and by the way, we're taking Nets with us. That's why this is
1: relevant. Oh yeah. Who are you taking this week? Hmm. That's a good question. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take DeAndre Jordan. Oh, why? Um, he can't eat
0: I'm, anything there. He's a vegan. I just,
1: Oh, that's right. Oh, you're totally right. <laughs> oh, that's right. a
0: good reason to take him, actually. Sadistic. <laughs> Eat it, you idiot. <laughs>
1: be a man. Um, yeah, I'll just go. I just want to see what he's actually like because he gets credit for being a good teammate. But I don't know. I've only sort of seen him be annoying.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm going to take Theo Pinson. Oh, Why? Uh, just give him one last good square meal before he ships off overseas (laughs) for basketball. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Give him something to miss while he's overseas. Some Boston (laughs) market.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Good old America. Um,
0: all right. So Simon, I'm hitting the ribs and meatloaf menu for mine and I'm doing the half rib, half rotis. I'm getting a little of both. I know that's kind of cheating. Oh no, sorry. It's half ribs quarter rotisserie quarter rotisserie.
1: Mm, good pick mm, mm, mm.
0: yeah um now that brings us to the fun part which is the sides yes let's do it so what are you having with your roasted turkey i am going to and you have can, you can take two sides let's say thank you I appreciate it. And we'll get a def- basket of cornbread for the table. I'm sorry, I will stop interrupting <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. now. No, of course, cream spinach is a must. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm going. I'm God. My heart is torn between mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, or sweet corn. Oof. But I think I'm going to have to do mashed potatoes.
0: Okay, keep it
1: healthy. Yeah, yeah. Especially <laughs> the cream spinach. I once did actually fill up a. a An imaginary uh, bag of Boston Market via the internet. And um, the creamed spinach, for whatever reason, they have, like, the calorie. Like, you can, like, see, Mm. like, what your nutrition facts are of the meal you've created. Creamed spinach jacks that thing up in a way that few things do on this menu. On this uh, not very health-conscious menu.
0: No, I mean, it's, yeah. And that's not even getting into the, the sodium factor.
1: right. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, all
0: right. So I'm going to, for with my ribs and chicken, yeah. obviously I'm going to hit the Mac. Mm. Uh, mm. Looks like they use, is that uh, penne? <laughs> <laughs> they don't I use don't use your traditional elbow. Oh, no, yeah. it's a fusilli. It's a fusilli. The... Uh, fusilli. It's a fusilli. <clears throat> um, all right. I'm going to get the mac and then I'm going to poof. I actually thought this would be slightly more exciting. Um I guess I'm doing garlic dill new potatoes?
1: Oof, okay. Are you on a diet?
0: Yeah, you're right. Never mind. I'll get the sweet potato casserole. I hate sweet potatoes. I hate sweet potato casserole. <laughs> but it looks like the most decadent thing. It's broiled and something's going on yeah on top. So I'm gonna hit the sweet potato casserole. Okay, um, and nice. I do that knowing that we'll also be getting a soup and/or salad. Yeah, uh, which are you getting? I have my heart set on one. Please don't take it.
1: <laughs> I I I am gonna have the rotisserie chicken noodle soup.
0: Oh, wow. I've never seen you turn your nose up at a at a Caesar salad.
1: I know, but I know that's what you were gonna get. No, man, I'm getting the Southwest Cobb. Oh, then I'm getting the Chicken Caesar. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I'm getting the Southwest Cobb. Uh, do you like a Cobb?
1: Uh, I, I mean, so I, if someone were like, "Hey, I made a Cobb salad for you," I would be like, "Great." On on a menu, I usually don't get it because I feel like if I'm in the salad zone. I want to feel a little bit like I've eaten something kind of healthy.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. A
1: cob is basically like a big decadent burger in a salad.
0: Right, it's chicken, bacon, cheese and r- usually ranch dressing, I believe. Mm.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So, yeah, no, it's it's not your health, it's not for the healthy health conscious, but <laughs> yeah. My word, can those things be good?
1: Do you like? The, I want to know, William. I would give anything to know what the demographic of the people who go to Boston Market and then order the, the fresh steamed broccoli as their <laughs> side. Who is like, I I get a full rack of ribs and steamed broccoli.
0: Let me do your market bowl of meatloaf, and yeah. I'll get me
1: a wet broccoli slice with it. Right. It. Yeah. It's truly a bizarre thing to have on this menu. I think.
0: Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a gesture towards towards the health conscious for a place that really shouldn't be making those sorts of gestures. Yeah, um, I'm sure if you get it in store, it comes covered in the mac and cheese
1: cheese or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, let's hope. Ooh, what are you getting for desserty?
0: Yeah, I can't wait for this part. Um, I ooh, okay, I'd say. If you want to imagine the most obvious dessert menu for a plain Jane (laughs) Americana joint, (laughs) you would be imagining the six items that are on Boston Market's dessert menu. You've got your apple pie, your pecan pie. Your pecan pie would be the most adventurous item on this thing. You've got a slice of chocolate cake, a chocolate chip cookie, a brownie and carrot cake. Mhm. I'm a nut. I'm gonna go carrot cake.
1: Carrot cake, yeah, oh, good for the eyes. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna get pecan pie. Did you know that I love pecan pie? I didn't actually. I don't think. Just love it. My grandma, Grandma Penny, used to make a good pecan pie. That's so nice to hear. <laughs> yes.
0: um, what was her? What was her secret, Simon? I don't know. She just made a good pecan pie.
1: That's right. Yeah, I didn't ask her much.
0: Do you like the uh, Do you like the filling, or the pecan? What's What's What about it draws you to the?
1: Um, I love the combination of textures. So you have yeah. the the crunchy pecans on top. Then the texture of the inside is really kind of like it's like gelatinous. I love the temperature that it's like. Sh- I like it cold myself, William. Okay. Um, Do you like it a la or not? Of course. Yeah, it's got to yeah. be a la modi. Yeah. Thank you for saying a la as well.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I know it's, imp- it's an important <laughs> t- distinction for you. Uh, <laughs> all right. So that, those are pretty hearty meals. Yeah.
1: Um, Giandre can have the steamed broccoli. I
0: think I'm most excited about my cob salad, to be totally honest.
1: <laughs> I just, I want you to know... <laughs> The lettuce on that cob is not going to be as bright green as you're, uh, as you're looking here. No,
0: that's one where you go through and you pick out the ones that have browned past <laughs> the point of you in good conscience putting them into your body. <laughs> Luckily, there'll be so much in my mind anyway, ranch dressing, lathered over this thing, that uh, I, I won't really notice the brown lettuce in it.
1: Yeah, yeah they, that they can do for you over at the, at the market, at the carver.
0: Right. When we're just wandering around Chelsea and casually hitting up a bee market. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Well, Simon, where can people get in touch?
1: Please follow us and send us any sort of messages or, or cries for, you know, help, attention, solace at maybe next time on Twitter, <laughs> Facebook and Instagram. Um, stay safe, stay healthy. Also, send us your questions, comments, thoughts about Boston Market, thoughts about Boston Market's dessert menu. Is it the most generic uh, list of uh, dessert items? Is it a sign of the types of folks who eat at Boston Market that they need to tell you on the menu that when you get a chocolate chip cookie, it is individual? And if you get a brownie, it is individual. You're not getting two brownies or no, three, just the one.
0: That's a singular brownie with your, with uh, your steam Brock.
1: With your, yeah. Um, let us know at maybe next time at gmail.com and please follow us or, uh, subscribe to us, uh, at the places that you get your podcasts, um, um, and give us five star ratings. And if there's a place that you get your podcast that we are not on, Let us know. Maybe next time at (laughs) gmail.com.
0: Yeah, send us a menu. We need need more menus. Um, With the exception of the first 15 minutes where we were yelling at each other about D'Angelo Russell, this (laughs) has been an absolute pleasure, as always, Simon. Yes. Uh, And I look forward to doing it again. Oh, I'm doing the outro, right? Yeah. All right, and we will go ahead and see ya!
1: Come